Okay, okay. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I, I got to go, 942. We're never going to make it, y'all. We're never going to make it. I'm just going to tell you right now, call grandma. You ain't going to be there on time. Well, if we've never met, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. We're super excited to have you with us, whether you're here in our physical location, whether you're a part of our online community. I'm so excited to be back together with you. And before I dive into God's word, if you're here for the first time, you need to know that one of the things that we believe here at Riverside, we believe in the power of prayer. And at the beginning of this year, we asked our church family, what are some, what we call bad prayers? Prayers that on the surface seem like they can never be resolved. They can never be answered. But we believe that, man, when we give them up to God, he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen? Amen. And so before I dive into God's word today, I just want to share with you some incredible praise reports. See, someone several months ago from our church family, she wrote in and said, man, I'm having some heart issues. I need healing over my body. And she wrote to us just a few days ago and said, Pastor, you need to know that that my heart is getting stronger. My cholesterol is getting lower. I've dropped some weight. The cardiologist said, I don't need to even come back for another six months. Can we celebrate what God is doing in her life? There's someone else that said, I'm about to be a grandma this summer and I'm just praying for a healthy delivery of my grandson. And she wrote to us and she said, hey, pastor, you need to know that baby Leo was born in June. He's perfect. Mom and dad are doing so good. Can we praise God for the healthy delivery of that young baby? See, there's an incredible family in our church and over the last two years, they've been fostering. And very early on in the process, they believed that the Lord was moving them to move from fostering to adoption. And so they've been in this process over the last many, many months. And while I was away, they said, hey, you need to know that a key thing happened in the process of this. And we're not all the way to the end, but we are now closer than ever. We are six to 12 months away from adopting into our own family, being a permanent member of our family. And then finally, someone from our church family, they said, you know, I've been praying for my daughter. I've been praying for my daughter and her family to be in church, to be in church regularly. And she wrote us and said, will you celebrate with us that my daughter and her family are now regularly attending church week after week? See, prayer changes things. And see, if you're here today and, man, you wonder, what's, what's all that stuff in the lobby? What's all the stuff in the cafe? Those are bold, audacious, daring prayers that we've committed to praying every single step of the way, every single day. And the ones that have changed colors are the bad prayers that have already been answered. And we're believing, we're stepping out in faith, believing there are even more prayers that are going to be answered between now and the end of the year. And so don't forget, if you put one of your bad prayers up there, we want to know about it when the Lord answers your prayer. You can go to riversidepeoria.com slash bad prayers. Now, I want to let you know, because my time hasn't started yet. Some of y'all are already looking like this is his time. It ain't. This ain't it yet. 
See, today, I don't know about you, but man, even while we were away, we were tuning in. We were part of our online community. And I was so ministered to in this last series called Pages by our incredible teaching team, Pastor Sam, Pastor Dana, Pastor John, First Lady Rachel Richardson. Will you give it up for them? What an incredible series that was. See, last week, Rach was talking about, you know, she kept saying when we went on this cruise, she said more times than once, it gave her Titanic vibes. Can I tell you, I think I'm responsible for that. Because when we were driving to the airport that day, I turned on outside of worship, my favorite playlist. It's all 90s love songs. Full transparency, it's actually called baby making music. Before you ask, we ain't. We're out, out of commission. But I love this playlist. So as we're driving to the airport, it's like Shania Twain, you're still the one. It's boys to men, I'll have fun with you. That's the church version of that song. Some of y'all nasty. Then it goes on to this group called SWV with a song called Weak. Some of y'all are sleeping on SWV. Sisters with voice. I get so weak in the knees, baby, for you. <laughs> then it goes into Usher, You Got It Bad. You got it, you got it bad. When you're on the phone, hang up and I'll call right back. I love you, baby. <laughs> She's like, can you just move this on? And then inexplicitly, it goes from Usher to my heart will go on. I don't know who's making babies to Celine Dion. I don't judge y'all. And Rach looks at me and she goes, really? The soundtrack to Titanic before we get on a cruise? Are you kidding me? Because she had done her research. She's like, I know the Titanic. It's from the time it hit the iceberg to the time it sank was two hours and 40 minutes. It went from safety to sinking in no time at all. And she goes, I know you as my husband is you didn't get the bougie cabin. I know you got that first floor cabin and you know what that means? If we hit something, we're the first to go down. <laughs> she ain't wrong. <laughs> See, today we're kicking off a series, three weeks called Sailing. And we're going to look at stories in the Bible that have to do with fishermen and boats and ships. And see the tagline throughout this, I want you to get from the jump today, is that the size of your storm can't compare to the size of your Savior. I don't know what you're walking in. I don't know what you came with. But I'm reminded that Jesus always shows up in the storm. And see, when you look today, I want to spend some time in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, if you start in verse 22, it says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. 
See, this passage starts off with immediately after this. See, I need to give you some context of where Jesus is. See, when you go back a chapter in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has just told seven parables in rapid succession. He goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. It says that he's rejected there. He does very few miracles. Immediately after that, he finds out that his cousin, John the Baptist, is beheaded. He goes off. He needs some time alone to deal with this news that he just heard. But Jesus' reputation had preceded him and the crowds continue to follow him. And it says in scripture that Jesus was moved by compassion that he did one of his greatest miracles in the midst of his misery. That's the moment when he fed 5,000. And I want you to get this, not just 5,000. It says in scripture, 5,000 men in addition to the women and children. And that's where we pick up right now. This is what Jesus is dealing with. And now finally, Jesus has time alone. If you're a parent here, you know what that moment's like when you finally get your kids to bed. You finally have time to read. You finally have time for your quiet time that you put off that morning. You finally have time just to breathe. But Jesus' time alone was very short-lived Because you pick up in verse 24, I'm going to read you a lot of scripture and then we're going to unpack it this morning. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? See, while we were on this cruise ship, one day I spent some time in the lobby and there was a desk that was set up for the sole purpose of selling excursions. And there was the most chipper man you had ever seen that day after day, he was trying to sell you. He was reminding you that, man, in just a day or so, we're going to be in Key West. And then a couple days later, we're going to be in Cozumel. You want to make sure that you see everything. You want to go on the e-bike tour. It was great. It was so good. But as I sat there this day, I saw different groups of people that would come and interact with this gentleman. And as I, as I sat there, the Lord dropped it in my heart that these same groups of people we see within our church. These same groups of people are walking through similar decisions. If you're taking notes today, The first group that I saw were people who were sitting. They said, as they walked past, as the guy tried to recruit them, they said, nah, we ain't going on there. We're staying on this ship. Do you know how much money I paid to be on here? We're getting every bingo game in, every dance party, every buffet. We are sitting on this ship. 
See, that's what the disciples were doing in the midst of the storm. They sat there unsure of what to do. We're going to stay right here. See, this story is actually told in three of the four Gospels. We see it not only here in Matthew, but also Mark and John. And when you look at the Gospel of Mark's retelling, there's something that jumped out at me that you don't see in Matthew's. Mark 6, 48 through 49, it says, About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Now, when I first read this passage, it says he intended to go past them. It looks like Jesus is uncaring. But but that phrase, to pass by, actually comes from the Greek word perikomai. That same word is used in the Old Testament to describe what's called a theophany. A theophany is is a small, short time, a temporary, visible appearance of God on earth. If you go in the Old Testament, you see this. This is where God comes down from heaven and makes this appearance to somebody on earth to try to get their attention. We see it back with Moses in Exodus chapter 33. God speaks to them and says, I will be with you. I will give you rest. You don't have to worry about anything. And Moses follows it up by saying, well, Lord, show me your glory. And God says, no one can see my face. Because if you see my face, you will die. But God goes on to say to Moses, I will put you in the cleft. I will put you in the crevice of this rock. I will cover you with my hand until I pass by you. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we see it as well. It's Elijah. Elijah has seen fire. Elijah has seen rain. It's like a James Taylor song right there. And he moves on. Some of y'all will get that. Some of you won't. And as he sees these miraculous things happening, it follows up that Queen Jezebel says to him, so help me God if I don't kill you by tomorrow. And Elijah goes on the run. He's so fearful of what's happening in his life right now. And God comes to him and he says, I want you to stand on the mountain for the Lord is about to pass by you. See, in all three of these instances with the disciples, with Moses, with Elijah, the Lord was trying to get their attention. See, fear was setting in. And God showed up to reveal his presence and to reveal his power. Can I tell you what I believe? Probably the number one reason why we sit on the boat is fear. We stay remaining in the boat because fear overtakes us. See, the month of July will always be a really monumental month for our family. Because five years ago this month, in 2017, there was a whisper of God over our lives. There was a moment where the Lord started to speak to us and said, I know you're sitting. I know you're in a place where this is what you thought it would always be. But I've got something different for you. He, in that moment, five years ago, he was calling us into full-time ministry. 
And I wish I could tell you as the lead pastor of this house today that I got out of the boat. But no, I sat there. I sat there time and time again. And I don't know if any of y'all can relate. But there's three reasons that I sat in the boat, that I didn't listen to the Lord. I want you to write these down because I think some of you will relate to this. I think number one, it was a fear of fracturing. There was a fear of fracturing the relationships I had built over 15 years of being a teacher. What will people think? People won't understand it. This is crazy. And when I finally got out of the boat, can I tell you, there were some relationships that fractured. There were some people, you, you're going to be a pastor. (laughs) I'm never going to that church. But the incredible thing is the fear of fracturing, the Lord's hand was still on. I have friends that are in this service today that have known me for like 20 years. We've taught together and it didn't fracture our relationship. It actually made us even stronger. I love you guys so, so much, Jeff and Angie. They have just followed along on the journey. See, but for so many of us, It's not only a a fear of fracturing, but secondly, it's a fear of flopping. What if God calls me to this and I screw it up? What if I make a mistake? What if I'm not cut out? Can I tell you? I would venture to say almost 100% of the time, what God calls you to, you ain't ready for There's always going to be an element where you could flop. But if God calls you to it, he's going to be there to catch you when you do fall down, when you trip up over yourself. See, there's a fear of fracturing. There's a fear of flopping. But ultimately, there's a fear of forfeiting. Because when you start to move, when you start to listen to God, you have to forfeit your plans for his plans. See, I knew what the next 12 months of my life was going to look like. I had it all planned out. And in that moment when God spoke to me five summers ago, I had to forfeit that. I had to hand it over to God. Can I remind somebody in this space today, your fear is no match for God's faithfulness. God will always be faithful to see it through. See, my three kids, where they were on that cruise, they were living their best life. My son Liam, he got there, and that dude can make friends wherever he goes. We were on the cruise, and about 23 minutes into it, he was gone. He had already made friends. There's a story that I've been sworn to secrecy not to tell, so I'm never going to tell y'all. He's like, don't you dare tell that in church. I won't because I love him. Maybe I'll tell you later. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But Liam was living his best life. He made friends instantly. My daughter, Ella, she just turned 17. She was like, dad, just let me sit out in the sun and give me a book. Like that's my girl right there. Let's go. And and then my Benny, my Ben, he just needed a pool. So this is like the best of both where there's pools on every deck. There are pools all over the place. 92% of the crews, my boy was in the pool. He had prune hands the whole time, five days. Couldn't even pick up a fork. <laughs> but there was one time I was watching him one day as I was sitting out there and I thought, man, how far 
my Ben, my 11-year-old has come because when he used to go to the pool, he used to just sit on the edge. He, he would kick his feet. There would always be that, Dad, I need you to get in so I, I can jump to you so you can hold me up. And as I was watching him over, this, over the course of this cruise, dude just jumped in time and time again. Can you imagine? He's almost 12 years old next month. If I still had to get in the pool and catch him, like every single time, like, come on, Benny. But why not? Why can he just jump in? Because fear doesn't rule his life anymore. He's not content to just sit there and watch life pass him by. He's got to get into it. See, there's some of you, you're resigned in this season. You say things like, well, these are just the cards I've been dealt. I'm just the sum of my mistakes. When I look in this passage in Matthew 14 and the disciples look out and they said, it's a ghost. See, there's some of you right now, you, you can never start moving forward because you're so terrorized by the ghost of your past. And some of y'all today, if you will let the Holy Spirit speak to you, if you will lean in with expectation today, I believe the Lord wants to move your focus from the ghosts of your past to the God of your future. He wants to speak to some of y'all today. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But can I tell you a passage in the Old Testament that comforts me more times than I can tell you? Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I don't know if you ever sat with somebody and you've been trying to talk to them. You've been trying to have a conversation, but they're not listening. They're looking out the window They're looking at every person who walks through the door of the cafe. They're on their phone. It's one of the most frustrating things. And if we get frustrated when we sit down with friends and colleagues, think how much more frustrating God must be with us. He's saying, I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to get your attention, but you just won't listen See, I believe for some of you, this is going to be a word that's going to speak right into your situation. That I believe for some of y'all today that the Holy Spirit is going to move you from a place of sitting to secondly, to a place of shifting. See, because that second group that I saw that would stop by the desk, they didn't just walk right past the desk the mom or the dad or the grandma would sit there and, and, and the guy would try to sell them on the excursion. Swimming with dolphins, taco tasting tour, whatever that is. And they wouldn't move on. But in that moment, you could see that something was stirring inside of them. They were starting to think of it. See, I think that's Peter right now. Peter in the midst of the storm I believe something is starting to stir within him. See, that's Peter as he's sitting there in the midst of the storm. I think he's waiting on the call from Jesus to say, just just come on, Peter, right this way. 
See, can I tell somebody in this room today, a calling is something you discover, not something you dictate. A calling is something you discover, not something you dictate. I get really nervous when people say, I know what my job is going to be. I know what my role is going to be. I know what my vocation is going to be. See, the word vocation comes from the Latin word, which, which is vocare. See, vocare is translated meaning to call. Discovering your vocation happens by clearly listening to the voice of God. God's call, God's voice will always lead to your vocation. You want to know where to go in this season? I think we need to take the posture of Peter. You look back what he says. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Tell me, command me, call me. See, I believe your calling is when your passion intersects with your purpose. Just this week, I sat with a dear friend and he said to me, you know, I feel like I'm kind of topped out in my role right now. I feel like this place I'm in right now, I've hit the ceiling. I don't know what's next for me. And we started to say, like, what are you passionate about? What is the Lord showing you in this season? And he started to share, I think this is where the Lord is leading me. And it doesn't really make sense. But I, I'm trusting in God every single step of the way. And I said, I'm going to come alongside. I'm going I'm to pray that the Lord starts to reveal to you what that looks like. See, I love Isaiah 30, 21. It says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. See, I believe we make two grave mistakes when it comes to our calling. I think, first of all, we focus more on our comfort than our calling. We focus more on our comfort than our calling. I'm going to stay here because it feels good. Can I remind somebody today, your feelings are fickle. I feel like... Panera right now, but by the end of the 11 o'clock, y'all know I'm going to be a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> because my feelings can change. Don't go by your feelings, go by your faith. Allow God to show you what happens next. See, some of you are saying, I, I, I want to apply for the job. I want to move out of state. I want to start the business. Is that your dream for your life or is that God's dream for your life? You have to know what is the call of God on your life. Michael, how do I know if it's God's dream or my dream? Can I give you a simple litmus test? If you have to keep breaking down the door, manipulating the process, trying to make it happen, it's probably not from God. But if the doors are opening. There's a blessing over your life. Money starts showing up. A person that just comes into your path, dare I say, that could be from God. Don't try to knock down the door. If it's of God, he will open it up in his timing, in his timetable. See, I think second of all, we focus on our courage over our calling. I love it when people say things like, 
Oh, they're so brave. They're such a trendsetter. I love what you're pioneering in this season. You are so courageous. I'm not against any of those things, but if it's not of God, you're not courageous, you're dangerous. Because if you start moving into a place where you were never meant to be, your plans outside of God's will is a dangerous place for you to be. So you don't pick your calling, you posture your calling. It's spending time in prayer. Lord, show me what's next. See, some of you keep picking rather than posturing. That's why you've had 18 different jobs in three years. Oh, it gets quiet. <laughs> Talked to Pastor John before. There are people that I meet with regularly. And when they pop up on my calendar and I sit down with them, I say, man, I, 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 I wonder what they're into this time. Because it changes from lunch to coffee to the next dinner, it changes. Can I tell you, God is a God of order. If it's truly a God dream for your life, he will reveal it, he will add to it, he will make a way in his timing. Some of y'all are miserable, why? Because you're in a place you were never meant to be. You're going to continue to be miserable, why? Because you led yourself rather than allowing God to lead you. And now you're miserable and you're making everybody else around you miserable. I'm fired up. It's been five weeks, y'all. How do I know where God is leading me, pastor? I'm going to make it really simple. This isn't earth shattering. It's, it's getting to church every single Sunday and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Is coming in with an expectancy. If you're coming in looking for an experience, I think you're going to miss it. Real talk, I fought this wall for so many months. Why? Because I didn't want ever any of y'all coming thinking, oh, they're just trying to be a cool, hip church. Because the older I get, the less it's about the experience the less it's about the cool factor. I just want to create an environment where we can encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit. Get here every single Sunday. I don't mean to call you out. I'm trying to call you up. Some of y'all I haven't seen since Easter. Where you been? I missed you, yo. It's getting here every single Sunday, making it a priority. Parents, Preaching to the parents in a few weeks down the road. We're going to talk about First and Second Corinthians. I'm working on a message already the Lord's been giving me. Can I tell you, parents, your kids will take their cues from you. If you make church a priority, you have a much better chance of your kids making church a priority when they are at the age where they can make their own decisions. I'm just going to leave that and walk away. That's a freebie. I didn't even have that in my notes. How else do I know God's will for my life? Spending time in God's word. I don't know about you, but we've been doing this year-long Bible reading plan. It, if you haven't been a part of it, it's not too late. 
Tuesday, we're moving on to First and Second Chronicles. Get a Bible at the merch wall before you leave today. I don't know about you, but I wish I could remember the numbers of times where I, I read my Bible on that particular day and it's spoken right into my season. It's spoken right into my situation. The Lord knew, how do I know my direction, my calling? Spend time in God's Word. Spend time in prayer every single day. People hate it when I say, you don't have to do a 27-minute prayer. Spending time just talking to God, open communication with Him. Lord, this is what I'm feeling. I feel lost right now. Will you give me some direction? Will you give me some guidance? Will you open some things up? We got to figure out our priorities. I posted on Instagram the other day, I'm fully aware that this message, some of y'all are going to leave and you're not going to like me. I'm okay with that. Some of y'all turned up the first time since Easter because I don't know what he's going to say. See, but some of you this summer, you spent more time on the ball field than you have in church on a Sunday. There are some of you that you got more excited about two new episodes of Stranger Things this weekend than reading two chapters of God's Word. You spent more time in your garden than you have in prayer. We've got to figure out our priorities. And I told Tammy Cox this morning, this isn't a message for y'all. It's a message for me. My booty cheeks are tightening just like yours are right now. I could tell by your face. Cheeks and cheeks, I can tell. See, in so many of us, I'm, going, I'm not done with this part yet, so bear with me. See, so many of us, that beautiful garden that we cultivate in our homes, we start to believe that that's what church should look like. It should be immaculate. It should be beautiful. There shouldn't be any weeds in my garden. And this should be a beautiful, beautiful church to come into. But can I be really honest with you? Some of you have become more focused on a manicured gathering than messy grace. There are some of you that are in this space today, myself included, that the global church today is the last place that people run to in their brokenness when it should be their first. There is a world that wants nothing to do with church. Because we're hypocritical. We're outspoken. We bash people over the head with scripture. It should be the first place that that unwed single mother runs into. That alcoholic father. That transgender teen. That, that man that's dealing with a crack addiction. The prostitute on the to do with the church. Can I tell you, God's grace 
is not for the spiritually lead. It's for the spiritually broken. And some of you, I'm going to double down, start your emails now. Because some of y'all, you've gotten too Christian. What do I mean by that? Make sure you hear me right before you write. You've been a Christian for so long that you've forgotten your BC life. You've forgotten the life that you used to live before you knew Jesus. Because now you've known Jesus for decades and decades and decades. And now the people you once resembled, now you reject them. See, church, we have to do better. I love when adult and teen challenge comes. That's an incredible ministry. I'm so grateful. And can I tell you what's happened last week? Is that we had a member of our church family that was here last Sunday as teen challenge was ministering. And and the Lord started to reveal something to her. She realized she was going down a, a, a path that, man, she was addicted. She heard herself in the stories of those men on this platform that shared. And she, she found her people within this church. And, and, and she reached out to a friend and said, I think I, I think I need to go to Adult and Teen Challenge. Will you help me figure out what this looks like? And, and she talked to her friend and her friend reached out to me and, and said, hey, she didn't have any money to make this happen. And, and they have a spot for her in Adult and Teen Challenge uh, out of state. Hey, would you be willing to give money to buy a plane ticket for her to go to, to get signed up for this 12-month program? And I said, It's the easiest yes I've given in months that there's a member of our church family that is sitting in a Dalton Teen Challenge today that she realized I'm going down a path that is not God's way. It's not God's will. And it's incredible. See, so many of us, when they were done singing last Sunday, we got up and applauded. But I wonder... If we had met those gentlemen on the street in the cafe and they weren't wearing those green polos to identify who they were, would we still, after listening to their story, would we have applauded them or would we have abandoned them? See, we're in a season right now as the church. We're in a season as believers that God is calling us to reassess. What's the posture of your heart? What's the language of your lips? We've got to get to this posture saying, God, reveal to me the things that are not of you. And when God speaks to you, that quiet whisper when it's just you and God, will you be known by your rebellion or will you be known by your revolution? Will you be known by saying, no, God, I'm good. I'm just going to keep going. 
Or will I be open to say, Lord, I'm ready to do this sudden, drastic, incredible change. I know I don't even understand it. My friends won't understand it. My family won't understand it. See, each of us, we're in a season. And I wish I could tell you that I got it all together as your pastor. I don't. The first night that we were on this ship, I couldn't sleep. And had all these things just going through my mind. I'm the worst person to vacation with. It takes me about four or five days to get in vacation mode. And about three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I'm going to try to watch something on Netflix. Couldn't find anything I liked. I said, I'm going to pull out one of these big pile of books. Couldn't find anything to keep my attention. And the Lord finally said, hey, how about you pull out your Bible? A million miles a minute. And I opened up God's word to the daily reading plan early that morning. And it took me to Psalm chapter 66, verse 16 through 20. Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. May I tell you today, I'm thankful for a God who doesn't withdraw, but a God that withstands. I'm thankful for a God who is unfailing and a God who is unchanging. See, when you know the call of God on your life, it doesn't mean it's always smooth sailing. When you know the call of God on your life, there won't be an absence of panic, but there will be an abundance of peace. There will be peace that comes over you in every single season. See, Psalm 66 in my Bible, it's written for the choir director. It says, a song. See, some of us are still singing the same old song when God is calling you to start singing a new song. God is creating a new story for you. God is writing a new chapter for you. God is tattooing a new adventure on your wrist like a basic white girl, yo. God is saying, I have something new for you. When God starts to move, when God starts to speak, the stirring should always lead to finally the stepping. The stirring should always lead to the stepping. See, as I sat in that lobby, I started to see some families realize as they talked it over with their family, they realized, oh my goodness, we are getting off this boat. There is life outside this ship. There is more to explore. There is more to experience. That's what Peter did. Something was stirring in him and he knew, I have to start moving. Look back at verse 29 and 30. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. When you look at that passage, Peter, he lasted one verse. One verse. 
Why? Because his mind became distracted and his path became disruptive. That's why it's so important. If you didn't listen to Rachel's message last week about the battlefield of your mind, your mind is so important. Where your mind goes, your life will follow. If the devil can distract you like Peter, the devil can destroy you. I've got to be in this constant place of the renewing of your mind. It says, Peter saw the wind. Peter saw the waves. When you look at your life, what do you see? What are you fixating on? Like Peter, how often does our focus move from the Savior to the storm? We take our eyes off Jesus. Apart from him, y'all, we're all sunk. Our lives, apart from Jesus, are on sinking sand. Matthew 14, 31, it says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? I don't have time to go in, but this isn't the first time that Peter and the disciples heard this. You read earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus continues to say, why do you have such little faith? You continue to read on in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says to to the disciples again, it's an ongoing conversation that Jesus had with them. See, if you're sitting here today and you've lost the faith to continue, take comfort that a faithful God does his best work with faithless people. Keep going. Keep walking. I wish I could stand here today and say, oh, every day of my life, I have a lake of faith. But so often, if I'm real with you, I don't have a lake of faith. I got a little faith. I'm not sure, God, but I'm going to trust you. See, in these seasons right now, will you be resigned or will you be resilient? Will you step back or will you step up? Will you say, I can't do this anymore? Or will it be, I can't stop now? I'm going to keep going. See, the motto that's become over my life is as I'm listening to the voice of God and he says, go do this. Go talk to that person. Step out of the boat over here. Y'all, I get scared. I get nervous. But the motto in this season of my life has become, God, I'm trembling, but I'm trusting. I'm trembling, but I'm trusting. See, the most beautiful part of this story in verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. See, my Benny, one day when he was in that pool, he got a little nervous. He came running up to me and he said, Dad, I've been looking for you everywhere. I was swimming and you were nowhere to be found. 
And I said, Ben, don't worry. Dad was just getting his 94th ice cream cone. And I said, hey, just so you know, the rest of today, I'm going to be right up there. I'm going to be sitting right up there. And so if you need me, just look up. See, for some of you, you need the reminder today to just look up. That your father is going to be there. That he hasn't walked away. He's going to stay in that spot, unmoving, unchanging. Just look up. See, if anything from Peter, it's the reminder that when he took his eyes off his father, he sank. But when he kept his eyes fixed and focused on Jesus, God moved him from the ordinary to the extraordinary. See, when I look at this passage today, I'm so struck. It says that Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Can I tell some of y'all today, Jesus today is on a rescue mission for you. See, some of you today, I don't want you to miss this because I believe this is a word in due season for some of you and your marriages and your families. God is reaching and grabbing those of you who are sinking today. He's reaching and grabbing those of you who are sick today. He's reaching and grabbing those of you who And grabbing those of you who are single. He's reaching and grabbing those of you who are separated in your relationships today. He's reaching and grabbing those of you who are sad today. And he's reaching and he's grabbing those of you who are suffering today. He's on a rescue mission for your life. He says, I'm just going to be up there. I still see you. Quit sitting. I'm doing something new. The stirring is happening. And now I'm going to trust you to step out, knowing I'm your father and I'm going to be there to catch you. See, today, if you would be really, really off, we're going to worship together. I know I'm over time, but it's important that we spend time just like Peter, just like the disciples when they were rescued, their first response was to worship. And I don't know today who this is for. But if you would be honest and vulnerable, I've been standing this whole time because this has been a message stepping on my own toes. I'm preaching to myself. But if this, you would say, Pastor, this was a word for me today. Will you just stand up right where you are? The Holy Spirit has been speaking to me. I don't know where you're falling. I don't know the sinking that's going on in your life right now. I don't know how you can relate to Peter, but you're saying right now, the Lord is speaking something to me. The Holy Spirit's moving in this place. And there's some of y'all, you just continue to sit still butt cheeks clenched because what will my spouse think? What will my mom and dad think? What will my kids think about me? And the Lord is saying, hey, you got to start stepping. 
You've got to step out in faith knowing that my God, knowing that my Father is going to be there to catch me. It's nothing we can ever accomplish on our own. It's saying, God, I'm putting you in charge of my life. The restoration of my marriage. I'm still believing that in due time, you're going to give us a child of our own. You're going to heal me from this addiction. You're going to heal me from this thing that I've been diagnosed by. And God is moving today. And it's by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. So today, I pray over each and every one of you. I believe this is a start to the next chapter. God, I'm open. If you're new in this space, why do people raise their hands? It's an act of surrender. It's saying, I'm giving. And really honest, you can tell how my week has been going based on my worship. Because on really rough days, I sing a little louder. I jump a little higher. My arms go to the roof because God, I need you more than ever before. And for some of y'all, you're gonna start worshiping and the Lord's gonna start moving your hands. You're like, what is going on? The church is weird. It's just an act of surrender. God, I give it all to you. I give you my family. I give you my future. I give you my relationships. I give you my finances. Do what only you can do. And so dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you can do what only you can do. Lord, you're moving in this space from the jump this morning. And so Lord, I pray that you would just continue to minister to people. Continue to move in this space. Continue to give people the courage to step into what you're calling them. That they would quiet the noise and the distractions around them so they can clearly hear from you. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to continue to do in this place. And in Jesus' name, amen. Today, if, if you want to worship from your seat, you may do that. But you need to know here at Riverside, the altar is always open. This is always available for you. So if, if you need to make that move right now, you need to make that physical step to solidify this with Jesus. I want you to move. I know all hell is against families right now and in marriages right now, but I'm believing that God is going to continue to bind you together, that he's going to do what only he can do in his timing according to his plans because you made a vow to your kids. You made a vow to your spouse. You made a vow to that friendship. And God is saying nothing is going to come between you. And so today I'm going to make a move trusting that my God is going to be there to catch me. Will you worship with us together?